to be a unique artist, you need to just spend time, generate your own ways of doing things, generate your your own style, your own sound, and that that will come naturally. It's a progression that will take take a little time, but you'll get there. And so I think that's really key to have a unique identity and as an artist, and that just comes with time. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are in the world, I'm Sam Mettler. You are listening to the EDM Podcast, and today's episode is with one of my favorite producers uh, on the Anjuna Beats label. I'm sure you've heard of him. If you haven't, you are in for a treat. His name is Genix, and he has done a ton of stuff. He used to be resident DJ at Passion UK. He was also a promoter there. He's released over 50 originals and 50 remixes, which is an insane amount of work. I cannot fathom it. Um, we talk about that. And one thing which I came across when I was doing doing my research is that Genix achieved a Guinness World Record back in 2005 uh, for the longest DJ set up until that point. It was a total of 84 hours. So just imagine that. 84 hours, it's three, three, four days. Uh, standing up and mixing so that's pretty cool it is a short interview Damien had to head off but we pack a ton of stuff in there he shares a lot of good advice um, you know including why it's important to focus on music that you like making and not try and imitate others which is what a lot of people do we talk about how he builds his super saws and if you know his music uh, you'll know that his super saws are incredibly lush uh, like a wall of sound so I hope you enjoy the interview. I certainly did. And without further ado, here is Genix. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back everyone to the EDM podcast today. I'm with Genix, uh, also known as Damien. Damien, how's it going? Um, very well, thank you. And how's yourself? Very well indeed. Um, look, it's great to have you on the show. I mean, uh, you are one of my favorite producers. A lot of the audience know who you are. Um, and I, I just want you to start off with your background. What got you into music and how have you got to where you are today? Um... The music got me into music. I mean, I'm 32 years old. Um, I started falling in love with dance music back in the 90s, late 90s maybe. So, uh, yeah, probably since I was 15, 16, I started listening to some old Ministry of Sound albums and I really I really loved it. And I, I kind of wanted to start playing around with audio sounds and 
yeah, that's that's how it all started. Um, some really old rubbish music production software stuff, which I guess everybody starts on. And then, um, yeah, to get to where I've done today, it's just a natural progression. I've, in, I've improved. I've, I've, um, I make my own sound, um, sort of quite a unique artist and I think every producer has that um, and they that just comes with time so it's just a case of uh, climbing the ladder to, to where I've got to today with my releases and, and my DJing alike which comes hand in hand with music production of course. Yeah absolutely so did you I mean did you start off as a DJ or kind of uh, do both at the same time? Well they, they like I said they come hand in hand I mean mm. uh I was I was learning how to DJ on vinyl back in the day. Um, I've got a huge vinyl collection here in my studio. So um, nice, nice. yeah, I, I started being being a DJ, but um, the music production actually started before that for me. Um, and I just spent hours hours locked away in my studio. And it was at the time when I was going through my um, high school and the, the time of your life where your parents say, well, what do you want to do? And I didn't have a clue. And uh, my dad says, well, you spend so much time locked away in your studio writing music. Why don't you go into that? And I just thought, you know, you can't, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not good enough or, or whatever. But he gave, he believed in me and he gave me a bit of a, an opportunity to go and do it. Um, yeah, and the DJ, and I've, I've been DJing locally in, in my town where I live for quite some time. And, um, and all across the UK as well, and internationally. Um, when when you release records, people get to know you all around the world. So um, mm. people want to hear you play. So that leads gets me to travel around the globe, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now you were a, a resident DJ at Passion UK, also <clears throat> a promoter, I believe. Yeah, both. Mm. Well. The UK club scene is is pretty legendary. It's probably world renowned. You you might have heard of the likes of God's Kitchen and, uh, and Passion, Gatecrash, all these brands. They were all they're all um, the top UK clubbing brands. And uh, yeah, I used to go to Passion. It was it's quite local to me. It was probably half an hour away from my house, and uh, it had the likes. I mean, Armin van Buren, Ferry Corst, and they were residents. Tiesto, Paul van Dijk, they all played there. So it was a place I visited a lot. Um, and it was a, a dream to play there. Uh, want, sorry, a dream to want to play there and even have my music played there. Mm. Um, so I, I kind of like got involved with the DJs and, and I ended up eventually um, working with an old resident there called JFK and I was working with him on the promotions and I ended up being the, the resident DJ. So like I said, I got to DJ directly before Tiesto Paul Van Dyke all these huge acts and uh, it was a great it was a great learning curve in my career so far to as a DJ anyway to perform with these sort of world stars um, but yeah JFK um, ended his career with uh, passion as a promoter for the Passages New and and then I sort of got the reins and and was a promoter it was, it's a completely different way of working in the music industry uh, it's mm. a good way because i still got to work alongside other djs and and uh, dj agents so it was a good way to still get to know a lot of people as well as doing my own djing and my music production i was juggling a lot at that time um but since then i think my uh, personal career's flourished a lot more so i've been able to concentrate on on Genix a little more so run us through that transition then from from being a resident and promoter and 
you know, transitioning into Gen X a bit more and focusing on that and bringing it to the point where it is now, um, like that must have taken a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, I've always been focusing on my music production, always. Mm-hmm. It was, it's always been my number one thing. Uh, however, there's not a lot of money to be made in selling your hard worked on music anymore. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, um, the money comes through touring and everybody has to have a source of income. So um, if you're not getting the gigs, it's difficult to sort of pay for things you need in life. And um, yeah, the, the, the promotion thing was another source of income. So like I said, it was good to work in the music industry still because it's still connected to to what I was doing anyway. But um, as a transition to go from that to not doing that and still having income, well, I I was getting a lot more gigs by the end of my promotion career. So I I could sort of um, pay to keep doing my music and everything. And and I've, I've had a lot of time to focus on my sound and everybody told me I'd be so, so much better off without passion and without being a promoter so I can focus on what I was doing and at the time I didn't believe it but it turns out that everybody else was right and it was a bit of a leap of faith almost in a way to to just think oh can I do this and yeah I have so it's it's uh it's pretty cool yeah yeah that's awesome um I know, I know there's a lot of people out there who are maybe at the beginning of their career, maybe they've, they've put a few years into it and a job in the music industry is something they really want, um, whether that's being a promoter, uh, a resident DJ, whatever. What advice would you give to someone in that position? I think you've got to be around people who are already working in the music industry. You can't just say, I want to be a DJ and then be mm-hmm. one. You have to know people and the old saying it's not who you know it's what you know it's, it's sorry the other way around it's actually both you've got to know people you've got to have links you've got to have stepping stones into the career whether so into the music industry whether it's whatever whether it's promotion whether it's even graphic design for musicians visuals whatever you've you've got to just try and get involved with people i think and uh, i mean it's quite easy to connect with people these days with most social media so I'd say that's the best thing I mean you didn't have any of Facebook or Twitter when I started I used to have to post CDs to people around the world and stuff so yeah times have changed yeah yeah absolutely I know some people are kind of afraid to do that to, to reach out to people on Facebook and other types of social media um, but in my experience like it's it's an irrational fear you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, are, uh, big artists included, are very happy to help out and, and answer questions. Um, now, I want to get onto the production side of things. But before that, uh, I, I'm, I'm really curious. You've done a, no, you broke a Guinness World Record back in 2005 for the longest DJ set uh, up until that point, which was 84 hours, I believe. Yeah. yeah. How, how on earth did you manage it? Like, I, I get to the end of the day. Um, I've been awake for, you know, 16 hours and I'm tired, but 84 hours, I mean, how? Um, I was young, a little bit (laughs) stupid, a little bit naive maybe. Um, yeah, I just, it was, it was to raise money for charity as well. And Mm. I saw it as an opportunity to get some exposure and I did, I got exposure in my national media Mm. for this Mm. thing and I knew that had happened. So it was just, uh, again, 
like I say, if you try hard and you tr- you think about and you think about other ways to expose your name, there are ways, and this was one for for myself. Everybody heard about what I was doing. I got signed stuff from Tiesto. Um, it was a big thing being spoken about in my whole area. Everybody came to this thing, so it was it was a good way for exposure for myself, um, also to raise money um, for charity. Uh, but how did I do it? Again, I couldn't do it now. I was young and maybe a little stupid. And, you know, you think you're indestructible. I think I was 18 or 17, 18, something like that. You think you can do anything. And, yeah, I was at that stage. It was very hard. I mean, I was falling asleep, standing up at the end. I was trying to put vinyls into CDJs. I was literally asleep but awake at the same time. It was, wow. it was a horrible feeling. I was I was hallucinating. Um, I got sponsored by Red Bull, so I was just ploughing through crates of that all the time. <laughs> Uh, having a shave in the toilets of this venue and yeah <laughs> people I, I had some good people around me at the time and they helped me through it mm. I mean I couldn't have done it without them because sleep deprivation is the devil it really is and yeah. uh, it was three nights and ending on the fourth so yeah it was hard so <laughs> do you no, no no I was looking at um because I wanted to see if you still held the record in some I other guy I don't think yeah, I don't think I do, and I'm not going to beat it again. If you ask, that's your next question. Yeah, yeah. Some some guy but said he, uh, some guy did 200 hours. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's little loopholes in it that I didn't know though, because okay. you're allowed 15 minute breaks every eight hours, and some uh-huh. people accumulated those so they could have like a couple hours sleep. And just, uh, that's, I don't that's, think that's that seems the same. like it's cheating. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you could do 200 hours. I know no. how hard 84 no. was, so they're doing something else. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you you know your sound is quite unique uh, to me yeah. it doesn't sound like yeah. any other artist do you think it's important to focus on music that you like making and, and another question on top of that do you think that too many producers nowadays try to imitate other artists uh, yes and yes um, there's, there is imitation um, there's, there's a lot of producers who go oh I like this tune I like this, this track, I don't know, Elan Bluestone, for example, mm. and then they'll try and make a track that sounds like Elan. I mean, in my opinion, what the hell's the point of that? Mm-hmm. There's no point whatsoever. Um, this, it's great to take um, inspiration from other artists and use it in your own work, but to actually copy a complete sort of style, which does happen, people copy me, I can hear it a mile off, people copy <laughs> other people, I can hear it a mile off. Um, and I don't think you'll get anywhere doing that. Mm. And I don't think Anjuna Beats, for example, would want to sign a track that sounds like Elon Bluestone or Genix, would mm. they? Mm. Um, the key, in my opinion, answering your first question is to be unique. Um, to, to, to be a unique artist, you need to just spend time, generate your own ways of doing things, generate your your own style, your own sound, and that that will come naturally. It's a progression that will take take a little time, but mm. you'll get there. And like I said, you can hear a Genix track. Maybe it sounds different. You can hear um, you, if a track came on from Ilan again, you'd you'd probably know it was by him. Mm. Um, so I think that's really key to have a unique identity and as an artist, and that just comes with time. You can take inspiration from other people. I do. Everybody does, but I yeah. don't think completely imitating and copying uh, is the is the way forward. And I know people do that, but um, each to their own. That's, that's just my opinion, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, and I I'm glad that you said it takes time because I think that's crucial 
for people to understand. I mean, I see yeah. a lot of producers look for that magic trick or that secret for developing a, uh, a signature sound. No, no, it but, takes years and years yeah. and years. I listen to a lot of my old music and I, I can still hear my genic sound in it. It's produced terribly, but you can mm. still tell that it's the same producer. Um, and that does that's t- that does take time. I'm still learning. I, I'm nowhere near a finished product, and, and and I don't think you'll ever be a finished product if you've got any ambition. You can never turn around and go, "This is this is the best." You should always mm-hmm. be er- there. Should always be an area for improvement, and think, "Oh, I can do better. I can do better." Um, and that and that comes with time again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you've, you've been producing for quite a while, and. One thing that blew me away is that you've released over fifty originals and fifty yeah. remixes, which which is an yeah. ins- insane amount of work. I mean, I know people who release like one track a year. Yeah, um, why most, most of those yeah. are not great, believe me. Yeah, um, I, but but still, why why like how are you so prolific? Um, I just love it. I just love sitting down making tunes still to this day. Just like um playing with stuff I mean I'm a much better producer now so I can uh, it's easier to put what I want to do in my head out of my fingers into my computer and create it whereas before it was it was a bit long winded um, with well I used to use hardware years ago as well so now I just use software which is a lot easier and it's better for speed um, production but yeah prolific I mean it's just having time to do it as well um, to, to churn out these tracks like I said most of those tracks are not not great but most of them most of them are, are alright yeah mm-hmm. you know you love it but are there any days where you just you know you get writer's block or creative block yeah get a little fed yeah. up I've had it for about two weeks oh really <laughs> I always get it I always get it um, and it's natural it's like writing a book or whatever uh, you, you creative stuff doesn't just flow out of people you probably get inspiration from places uh but yeah i think everyone gets it you'll you'll sit there tweaking something and yeah nothing nothing happens sometimes uh i've i mean i tell a lie i have kind of nearly finished a track this week but that that took me probably two weeks to even three weeks to even come up with the the concept mm. uh, I've changed the groove and the beats about fifty times. I changed it again yesterday, which is peeing me off a little bit. But um, yeah, you get there in the end. You do. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, one thing that stands out to me in, in a lot of your music, and it's why why I love you as an artist, is the songwriting, uh, the chords and melodies specifically. Do you think I might be projecting here? because <laughs> it's something I talk about a lot but do you think too many producers focus on the the technical side of production a little bit too much rather than say the musical side um possibly um there is a lot of stuff you can do on the technical side which makes your musical side sound better so you do need to mm. know and work on both the same in my opinion but m- Music, the musical, it depends what type of music it is. I mean, my music is, uh, there's a lot of emotion and, and um, a melody in it. So, yeah, those melodies and emotions have got to be very strong. Whereas if you're writing, I don't know, maybe a 138 track, there's a lot of emotion in that, but it's more, in my opinion, more about the drive of the track and the and the power, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, the 
yeah, the the emotion and stuff is massively important. And I mean, I focus on on the the chords a lot. Oh, they've got to be killer. They've got to be mm. something that somebody hears and goes, "Oh, that's amazing. That's really nice. It makes you feel good." That's that's the kind of music I like. But I also like the um, the grit and the groove. You can probably tell by my tracks. Of course, yeah. I always um, and June has summed it up nicely in a in a little write up on one of my recent EPs saying there's the there's the nasty and the nice of Genix mm. which is stamps all over his music which is which is true um, technically I do spend a lot of time trying to get those grooves and those st- strange unique sounds to sound different and stand out so yeah tech- on the technical side of things you have got to know some stuff but you can get all these tutorials off YouTube these days so I, I'm all self-taught Mm. It's took me years. I mean, that's probably why well, I'm not a bigger artist than I, than I have been because I've been kind of bubbling away teaching myself rather than using ghost production or I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but but I don't know how people sleep at night using ghost yeah. producers. I don't know. It's just <laughs> pop. It, it, it really pisses me off, but, you know. Yeah. Some people, some of the artists are too busy touring so they need assistance with some ghost production, which is understandable. Then there's other people who are just out there and think, oh, I want to be a DJ, pay someone mm. X amount, writes them a track, and then people... Uh, the, the annoying thing is that the club, the clubbers think that the DJ's actually made it when they haven't. Yeah. That's yeah, the frustrating thing from a producer like me's um, side. Because I know how much work and effort goes into it, and which is a lot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I can understand the. Um, it happens in the trance scene a lot. The, you know, someone will get into the studio with a certain person, not a ghost producer necessarily, but give creative input, um, but yeah. not necessarily do the legwork. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that, but the full-on ghost production for your fourteen-year-old kid, who's, <laughs> yeah, you know, his dad's rich or whatever. Uh, yeah, no. Um. I'm curious then, this is a hard question to answer because it varies for, for most people, but how long roughly would it take you to, to make a song? Oh, that is a hard question. <laughs> Do you know what? We are talking about writer's block a minute ago. Sometimes I can be trying to force something out, which is the worst thing you can do. When you're trying to write a track for a label or you think, oh, I've got two weeks to do it, and you're trying to write it, it very rarely comes out as you want it to, and it's never as a good quality. Some of my best stuff was just came out in half a day. Uh, not not the whole track, the, the ideas and the mm. concepts, and then it would take me a further amount of time to produce it. But the best stuff, the best music kind of just happens, in my in my opinion. And uh, But other times I can be... Like, I've, a couple of tracks I'm working on now, it's taken me a few weeks to even get anything together. Um, it's, uh, each one is completely different. It's a million dollar question which can't be answered. <laughs> yeah, no, no, of course. But do you do you finish all your music? And and if you don't, like how do you pick which tracks to, to keep going with even when it's uh... I only work on one track at a time. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people if they get annoyed with one project, they'll open something else and start doing it. But I I've never been able to do that. That'd irritate me. I've always got just one and I'll just go back and work on that one. Maybe I need to do try try uh working on a couple at a time it might help me just you know change the mm. <clears throat> change my ideas a little bit and listen to things in different ways because you can the amount of times I've sat there for like an hour and there's a loop going and I, I, that hour's just gone yeah. and I'm just listening to the same loop just tweaking it <laughs> compressing it a little more and you know it's 
time just disappears when you're working on music. You just sit there all day and you think you've been there an hour and you've not really done anything. You've just made a kick drum or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I watched an interview with with you uh, that Sonic Academy did, Chris from Sonic Academy. And, yeah. And you said that you start with a, a blank canvas every time. You know, yeah. a lot of people talk about templates and how they speed up workflow. Um, but but why do you start with the blank canvas? Um, I don't know. I think I think I just I just find it the best way to do it. I mean, mm. I've got some settings in my Logic which are um, which I do use. Just some compression settings and maybe some super source settings, like some synths or whatever. Uh, which I might use in other projects, but I'd never just open an old project, tweak it, and that's a new track. I just couldn't do that. I just like to make. I just like to work and get a new groove, get a new feeling. Mm. Um, I think it'd probably take me longer to do it if I did it the other way. Anyway, right. Even though it's, it's already been half done, because I'd I'd replace all the percussion, all the bass lines, all the melodies, mm. and it'd be harder to deconstruct it than reconstruct it, rather than just to start from scratch if that makes sense yeah yeah that does make sense um i i i almost don't want to ask this question because you know i like it's it's one of those intuitive things um but a lot of people struggle with super source and you'll sound amazing do you have any advice for for producers who struggle to make super source um do you mean the the, the, the big sound of it yeah, yeah, like the like the big sound. I know, I know. There's a bunch of layering involved, and it's kind of hard to talk about that because it's such a yeah for me anyway. It's an intuitive process. It's hard to explain. But what tips would you give? Um, compression is very important. Getting the the right level. Uh, yeah, I'll start with the layering. You just say layers. So if if it's sounding a bit thin, maybe use another super saw. Drop it an octave to. Uh, give it a little bit of bass and a bit more warmth. Mm. Um, Side chaining off a kick drum, of course. Um, So give it that pumping sound in between the beats uh, and then get, get the compression right. So when, um, when everything's playing, you want everything to sound like nice and loud, big, like a wall of sounds, so to speak. Um, But layering, layering is the key. I mean, I will use like a, an unchained, uh, super saw in the background and then like a more stabby super saw which is probably side chain so the, the the two saws are kind of interacting with each other without but it just sounds like one mm. um, so the, the the one in the background's maybe got all the bottom c- cut off it so it's just filling the gaps between the stabs of the, the other saw it's hard to explain on here yeah um, yeah yeah yeah. But it's, yeah just just layering really I mean don't use don't layer two sounds that are just this identical source. Uh, there's so many um, sound banks out there these days. So if you, if you if you can't make them from scratch, I mean you can just grab some presets um, which sound similar. There's a much quicker way to do it. If yeah, um, and yeah, just just bunch a load of those together. Um, just side chain compression. I always work with. Uh, some compression on my master channel as well. So, uh, I get a feel for what it sounds like at the end, instead of putting them all, everything together, then trying to master it, which is hard. Cause you're then making mm. a track, retweaking it. I'll always kind of, kind of work as I go along with, with my master. So everything's sounding nice and fat at the end. Um, 
So, yeah, it's just a lot of tweaking, really. I've heard a lot. Uh, I've seen more and more people do that, you know, uh, produce into a mastering chain. And yeah. obviously, they are the kind of the, the elitists, for lack of a better word, who um, who say that it's it's a sin and you shouldn't do it. But, I mean, there are no rules at the end of the day. So, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, cool. Well, well, a few more quick questions and then I'll let you go. Um, do you have any routines, habits or tricks that you use to overcome creative block? Uh, no, <laughs> I wish I, I wish I did. It just, it'll just go. It'll yeah. just go. Yeah. And then, and then you'll write three tracks in a week or for example, it would just, it would just go like that. Um, sometimes it's better to go and listen to some music. I do a lot of running, so mm. I'll, I'll go out and stick my iPod on. You come back and you your creative juices are flowing. Your mind's just full of ideas and you've just heard little bits and subliviously information is going in, into your brain and you can apply that. Um, but yeah, there isn't a, a such thing. Yeah. Rest in between studio yeah. periods is, is key, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. Are there any books or resources like, uh, you know, videos, YouTube trials that have played a significant role uh, in your journey as a producer? Uh, None, none whatsoever. Oh, uh, well. um, yeah, <laughs> no, just your answer to that. And and finally, what three pieces of advice would you give to all the producers listening to this? Okay, um, stay true to yourself uh, and write the music that you love, and don't give a, a shit if nobody doesn't like it because that. That's that's your identity. Going going back to that again, it's it's you showing the stuff you like and and you, your unique style and sound and your your own sounds that you love. Mm. Um, and never give up. Never give up. I mean, set yourself stepping stones. Uh, set yourself a small goal, achieve it, then go and achieve the next one, and so on. Uh, it's a very hard dog eat dog industry. Mm. Uh, very frustrating at times um but you can always achieve if you work hard enough definitely damien it's been an absolute pleasure thanks heaps for coming on the show and finally where can people find you online um my twitter is at jenix dj um my facebook's just jenix i think and uh, my website's jenixmusic.com and you can catch all my gig dates and stuff on there as well too fantastic 